Hi, it's Justin speaking. Justin, it's Joey Jingola. Joey, how are you? Good, how are you doing, sir? Doing well. Can I put you on hold for just a second? I'll just finish up on the line. you right back. Not a problem. Never mind. They, they figured it out. <laughs> so... Yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you catch me up a little bit? Tell me what's going on. I don't know. I know very little about uh, what you're doing, what you're trying to do, what you want to do, and what you're not doing, all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a retail agent by trade. I started a scratch agency in 2004-ish or so, and um, you know built it up or whatever, and decent little business for myself. I've had staff and all that type of stuff over the years, um, but recently. Just looking at all the insure tech nonsense and all the stuff that's going on, um, to me, the 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 difficult part to sit back and watch is A, companies going direct, B, other people coming in from outside our industry and do things way more efficient than, than we can, and watching all of the dollars go toward those channels. So what I wanted to do is try to do something that can help us maintain at least a viable business opportunity going forward because the, uh, the you know, machines are kind of coming for us. And realistically, this is one of the only industries left where an average guy can make a decent living for himself. And if that goes the way of the call centers, it would just be kind of a tragedy, in my opinion. So what I did is I basically sold my agency, started working with a consultant, Powerhouse Learning. I don't know if you've heard of them, Brandy Heinen. She's uh, yeah, no, been I around in the industry for. Yeah, yeah. She was actually at okay. a. Um, uh, I was at a conference, the OIA conference uh, in Cleveland in June. She was there, I think. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I started uh, working with her. I just sort of bumped into her surreptitiously and um, started doing some stuff with her, trying to help her get the get the word out to other agency owners and help basically help agency owners do what we do. And then also um, the other thing I worked on is I, I built my own comparative writer for WorkComp in good. California. So that's nice. That injurator. Lead with that. Lead with that, Justin. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's a couple other people that tried to do it. Um, the problem is is they left out two really vital components, and which made it not as useful for the average dude. So I conscripted my uh, evil Russian brother-in-law, software engineer, and a couple other friends and. We sort of hacked it together over a period of months, and it's kind of cool. A handy thing to have. I, I don't have one of those. It so is fun. Yeah, yeah. Good for Excel plans, you know, in case the, yeah, in case the his button really does work, and also for you know piecing together software programs. So that's a, that's kind of uh, like what I've been working on, and where my sort of head and heart is. I think this is good industry, but I just I hate to sit back and watch. Um, watch it kind of, you know, being attacked by all sides. <laughs> and, I, and I get it. You know, there's some efficiencies. There's some things that, that could be done a lot better. It just it frustrates me that there's no real way for that investment to come our way. You know, it, it's hard to justify carriers just investing tons of money in sales. Claims can get all they want. Underwriting can get all they want because they can ROI every dollar. Uh, you know, sales can't. We Maybe we'll sell more. And that's the best we can do, essentially. So it's just it's hard to it's hard to sit back and watch that. And that's that's kind of my whole operating premise. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's kind of where you are with this industry or what your what your 
sort of macro opinion is. Yeah. Well, yes. First off, Justin, you're very unassuming. You gotta, I think we gotta, we gotta, we gotta bring it up a little bit. You're just kind of like, oh yeah. By the way, I got a comparative raider hanging out here, and you know all this fun stuff. <laughs> well, you know what? things like that. So um, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, a, I'm a slow player. I'm not like a bragging kind of dude, uh, just because, I don't know, I'm just not that kind of dude. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of think it's a big deal, but whatever. So I mean, so, um, I mean, I kind of, your, your yours is an interesting point. I don't, I guess I, I feel like, um, I kind of view it as I feel like we, the, those of us, that understand, you know, kind of the urgency of, of what's happening and, you know, kind of stay in the game. I think we're going to have a, a problem, I guess. That's my position. I think, I think, you know, as long as we're playing, you know, and we're playing at the same level as everybody else, I think we'll be all right because we can always use some of their stuff against us. Now, maybe if they change the rules entirely, like if somebody gets big enough and just changes the rules of the game to where we can't even play, that would be a little more concerning. Um, I just think that there's been this a fundamental misunderstanding of what it is that we do and how you translate that to an on-demand experience. And that that's kind of what frustrates me is that I don't think it's that hard. It's just everyone is approaching it from the like complete wrong way. That's kind of the way that I see it. And it's just like they, they want to put like the le- they want to emphasize the least important things in what we do and and focus on the stuff that isn't ultimately that important, but because people told them that it is, that they feel they need to build million dollar technology platforms around it. That's kind of my short soapbox version. Yeah, no, I, I get that. You know, that that's always the hardest thing is making some of this, these intangible things tangible, you know? Yeah. So, you, so you get it, you know I mean? You've had the conversations, you know, what the, yep. what the, the, the working end of that looks like. And it's just, it's just, it's kind of frustrating because we don't have a really good way to to present that. And, and I guess this probably comes from us being not exactly, you know, storytellers uh, inherently. But it's just, it's kind of un- un- unhealthy to sit back and watch, watch everything go the way of the call center. <laughs> I'd be curious your opinion on this. I mean, I don't mind call center. So if as long as we're standing at the top of the pyramid, as long as it's like, Hey, Justin, I got to talk to Justin because I need him to tell me what to do because I want to make sure this doesn't get screwed up. Like from a high level, like I need him to, um, you know, paint the masterpiece, right? I don't need him to hang it and then make sure people come and see it. Um, and like, I kind of feel like, like, like as long as we're able to sit there, I mean, now again, working on information is always a scary play because it's it's easily accessible. But I kind of feel like as long as we hold that position, I'm not too terribly. I I would actually embrace a call center to do the stuff that we probably don't really like doing. But just really really zero in on this is the one thing that nobody else can replicate, and I'm going to make sure that my you know unique insurance mind is going to stay up front for you. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe. Maybe I'm a little more jaded because I've, yeah. like, when when I go up and I make those arguments and then I have somebody go, yeah, but this is cheaper if I buy it online, and I go, but it's the wrong, it's totally wrong. So what do you what do you primarily sell? Uh, well, so I'm a generalist. I sell, which is part of the problem. So I sell everything from personal lines to small commercial. Gotcha. 
so I'm, I'm probably getting a skewed perspective just because of what I do, but uh, to, to stay in production, I would basically have to pick sort of a niche and, and do that if I wish to stay relevant. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, as long as I think the products are solid and you're within a reasonable, I, I do think it's worse. I think, I think it's ultimately the worst on personal lines, like home and auto more so auto than anything I think is like mm -hmm. the worst for that. I guess you're all right. So let me ask you this then if, if we're going to be productive here, so, I mean, should we even care about that conversation of that person? that says, well, it's cheaper online or whatever it is. I'm assuming that's a personal lines client. Um, should we care about that person? Is it salvageable or should we just say, forget it. Those people are going to do what they're going to do. And we got to focus on the ones that are still in the game. Now that's what everyone seems to think. But my problem with that thesis is I think it's a broader consumer attitude. That's more virulent than that. Cause I've seen people with, large investable assets say the same dumb things that a 25 year old would say about the same topic. And that's the part. And this might be isolated incidents. It might just be because I'm from California and everybody insane. but the having seen that a little bit, it just, it's terrifying. You know, a guy with a $25 billion net worth who just doesn't really care or get it. And that's, that, that might be, like I said, just for a regional distance, but it's, uh, it's something I've seen anecdotally, I guess. So I, I think my, to answer your question, my, my fear is that that's part of a bigger, you know, trend in consumer behavior than I think it's given credit for. So is it just the sheer ignorance or is it a, a, like an apathetic sort of situation where they don't even really want to understand it? And I think it's probably a combination of both. I think it's, you know, this is probably the most boring thing in the world to be good at, which is problematic. And then I think just the sheer attention span for people to, to really care about it is really difficult because it's a, you know, you're, you're dealing with hypotheticals. It's not, this may never happen to you, but you should be really worried about it. It's kind of hard to, to get them to care as much about that as the certainty of you're going to have to pay more right now. So I don't, I don't know which part, which part of that equation is the most important, but, that's just that's kind of the trend that's been happening. That's the part that makes me nervous. Yeah, making me feel nervous too. So that's fun. I I do think that I think going back to the we're not very good storytellers. Mm -hmm. I think we're a little too buttoned up, right? I think if we again, this comes back to the you know from the perspective I think you're taking it from is from the person that's probably not yourself, and I think. What your your concerns are maybe more for those agents that have absolutely zero interest in adopting or changing or or, or telling that story differently or um, you know being a little more honest and transparent. But I think those that are able and willing um, and to do it in a way that makes the consumer's life better and easier and uh, I think still has a chance, a pretty good chance. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. I just I it, what makes me nervous is the the fact that they cut our commissions like 30% in one year. And then yeah. that coupled with, you know, some of the small commercial stuff going direct, like the same pattern that happened in personal lines is happening again in commercial. And it's, it's not that it really is devastating in one year. It's just 
each one of these little things that they do makes it that much harder for us to compete, you know, going forward. It makes it that much less viable, the business model going forward, which is problematic, I think. <sighs> yeah. Well, so like for the small commercial though, I'm define small commercial for me. Like what, like what's an average premium annual premium? Under a hundred thousand. Okay. Well, that's a good number. I mean, so, all right, under a hundred yeah. over what? Uh, well, over a hundred thousand is, is middle market. No, no, no. I'm saying like for you personally, you're, you're saying small commercial under a hundred thousand premium. Like is what's your, mm-hmm. what's your basement floor? Is it like 10 grand, 20 grand? I'm 2,500 basically. That's pretty much. I mean, you'll, so you will write the $2,500 small commercial policy. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll write a $500, you know, minimum premium. You're talking to a health insurance guy. I'm prefacing this. You're talking to a health insurance guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Commercial policy. So just let humor me. Gotcha. Tell me if I'm Sorry. stupid here, but I guess it feels like you're signing up for a lot more punishment selling the $500 commercial policy because you're going to make like literally $20. I don't know what it takes to write that. Um, and, and realistically, and realistically, that's probably what has to happen is, you know, guys like us are going to have to focus on the, the bigger stuff and they'll just be less of us doing it. But I know those little small commercial things that makes up a decent sized chunk in the aggregate for the smaller guys like us, you know, and I don't, everyone likes to talk about, you know, their middle market stuff, but the reality is I would say the average small retailer they're really, they're really sort of eating their bread and butter on these smaller things that are yeah. way too easy to just ship offline. Yeah. You know I mean? well, so it's either we focus on a higher dollar to where we can manually and physically invest the time and resources to do it. Or we invest in technology to make the smaller stuff more profitable, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I don't think, I think we still want to sell the smaller stuff like it's 1972 and you know, I, I think we need to understand that. Listen, if we're going, if we're playing, and if we're swimming in this pool, uh, we've got to build an, a really freaking cool water slide. Um, and yeah, we're just not doing it. Um, and the question, but the problem is, is that once you build that water slide, then there's really no reason that everyone can't go down it, right? Like it's you're not limited yeah. to your geographical region anymore. It's just like, hey, can I attract? But that's then that's the next problem: attracting enough people to go down yeah and it's, it's made more difficult because of all the noise right like the more the bigger players have resources to throw at it they can sort of drown us out which is what we sort of allowed to happen over the last 15 years in personal lines and then something's basically going down in small commercial right now which the next 10 or 15 years will probably repeat the same pattern I mean, so, at least that's kind of my idea I mean, let's be honest. Like, I think if we keep the so, this is how I look at it, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I view it like ultimately everyone just wants to be done dealing with their insurance. Now, whether that's right, right or wrong, or whether we need to change that perception, I don't know. But if we kind of say, "Listen, I know that this isn't your favorite time of the year, but we're going to make it as pleasurable as it possibly can be, and as you know, efficient, not quick, efficient as it can be." Um, and these are the things that we absolutely have to do in this manner. You know, I don't know. I think, I think there's something to that maybe, but. I mean, I guess there's, there is a case to be made for the small handed proctologist, but the, 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 uh, the, 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 I guess the, the core problem to me is just the, the level, the nature of, of competition. 
I think that's the thing I keep obsessing so who, about. So you, I guess I haven't asked you this. You keep referring to like, who is, who keeps you up at night? Like what competition is, are you like most afraid of? So this, so the, basically just the carriers going direct. The, in California for, for workers comp, they started a cut, like the first company that started this was uh, by Berkville, you know, Berkshire Hathaway mm-hmm. uh, division. Yep. They started selling workers comp direct online without a broker at a 10% discount. Like they specifically filed it with a cheaper price. The same tactics that basically progressive and, you know, started. So that severely eroded brokers available, you know, brokers and agents availability to, to compete. If you can go online, do it faster, quicker, and cheaper then we can do it. What's you know, it's harder. It's harder to walk that back after the fact. When that's well, what consumer behavior likes. And so, from yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think also too. Now, this is my um, idealistic. I, I love content sort of thing. I, I like to turn those what are perceived advantages against people. You know, for, for example, what was the name of the company again? You said that that was going direct on the workers' comp. Oh, by Burke Berkshire Hathaway. So you say, hey, um, you know, should should you buy workers' comp insurance direct with Berkshire Hathaway, right? Why is it cheaper, you know? Uh, and, you know, you put that out there, and then they're going to find it, and then they're going to find you, and they're, like, they're going to call you and say, hey, Justin, what's up? You know, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And be like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Um, well, and that's, that would be good if they called you to begin with. But what happens is they just you don't even get the call. Right, but no. that's how you get. That's how you get the call, though, right, Justin? You you create the you optimize for their right. So you got to all right. So they find they find this company, right? They're saying, should I do this? Should I buy? You know, should I? Or again, what what's the best workers' comp insurance in in, Cal, in Northern California? I got a buddy. Uh, he's been on the podcast. Actually, I just put an episode out yesterday. Eli Gillespie of uh, Gillespie Insurance Services down in Redlands, and um, and he does workers' comp. I don't know if he's written this page yet, but I mean, if you were to write the best workers' compensation insurance in Northern California, I'd be curious to see how that, how you would feel if you had that post up there for a year and the, the people that are, are kind of calling you from it. Because that would, I think, that would that would put you in the conversation before. You're talking about quality instead of cost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100% quality, right? It's like you're just, they, they want to know what the best is or, you know, you can use the word value. I, I've never really experimented with that, but best it surely works uh, because what allows, when you're talking about best, you can actually then go through the whole conversation of value, right? I mean, part of the best is the value right? just because, I mean, that's, I mean, that's all insurance is, is, you know, are you going to pay enough, are you going to pay an appropriate rate for what you're going to get in coverage? Because if the rate is higher than the, co- you know I mean, like the coverages are usually pretty identical. It's not, it's not like if you're buying a Samsung TV or Vizio TV versus like an element TV, um, you know, it's like, Hey, you've got a clearly better picture. Like there is a tangible measurable, like difference, like of being better. The only difference with this is like the company itself how they handle claims, um, you know, if, you know, if they're going to be in business in 20 years and most insurance companies don't, don't go out of business. So that's usually not an issue, but I mean, those are like the things that you're selling against, right? You could have that whole conversation, right? You can talk about those different, the problem is, and this is where I come back to the industry depressing me is, is that 
these companies get all freaked out when you start using their name online without approval and compliance and it's just like yeah it's just like yeah i've had more than one cease and desist letter so I, oh really you have interesting <laughs> well, i tried to so i tried to optimize uh adwords for state fund because i am an authorized state fund broker yeah. which they figured out and said um no you will not be doing that it will cease immediately so their attorney said stop doing that yeah. <laughs> which i thought was kind of crappy but rather than argue it and i said oh, all right fine we'll stop buying these adwords yeah, but I mean, I think like we just got to get in front of the conversation, right? Like they've got to, we've got to be. Well, that's and that's kind of yeah. That's kind of my point is like what I'm seeing is the same trend that happened in personal lines. We seeded, we seeded the eyeballs, right? Now all these people, all these people are selling it back to us at a huge markup because we didn't get out in front of it. Yeah. We let them come in, optimize, do all this, you know, do all this marketing that we should have kind of figured out ahead of time, yeah. which would have been nice. So that's kind of where I was going with this whole Ninjavator thing is, hey, let's, let's, let's get ahead of it this time instead of waiting for all these carriers to go direct uh, and you know, sort of quietly gobble up market shares, consumer behavior changes. Why don't we get out in front of it and start building the things that everyone's going to use, and then we own it. We don't have to you know, get, get it sold back to us or circumvent us entirely by having everyone just go direct. So that's, that was my... That's my sort of operating premise for small commercial going forward. Like personal lines, we pretty much, I think we kind of lost the race, you know, to your point. There's still some niche focused things you could do for some, you know, some more sophisticated clients, but I think we kind of lost it a little bit on that. Uh, I may be wrong, but so, so I think small commercial is the next frontier. I think of, of being we have up, the right? of being cannibalized. Yeah, of, of just being, yeah, just, just incrementally being encroached upon without, us putting up a fight. That's the thing that, that bothers me about it is, okay, they're going to come. They're, the machines are coming, whatever. They're, they're going to go direct. That's, that has to happen. I get that. But instead of sitting back and watching everybody else gobble up attention, how about we start building the things that everybody uses? Sure. So, you know what I mean? Like, instead of uh, quote, compare, or ever quote, or all these, com instead of all those people existing in our space, we should be the ones building that. Like we should own that, not them, not somebody from outside the industry that sells it back to us at a you know three hundred percent markup. That's insanity. Like we should get, we should capture all the attention at a time. Well, so the that's technology and attention are two different things, though. That's where I think the challenge is: is that you know, just because you have the technology doesn't mean you have the attention, and just because you have the attention doesn't mean you have the technology. And it's getting those two together, I think, is the winning combination. That's the hard part. I would say there's more technology-focused people than there are attention-focused people. I mean, there's just like traditional publications and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, one thing I want to say: like, I, I was talking to um, I was talking to an agent yesterday. And he was saying how he, he focuses on like, you know, just personal lines, home and auto and stuff. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you to make that work. Like I literally have no idea. I mean, like it's outside of the, I'm, I'm, I'm at the community center. I'm at the you know city hall. I'm, you know, I'm doing the, I'm working the town sort of thing. But even then, I mean, just the amount of time it would take to accumulate a book worth, you know, 30 grand is depressing. Right. That's kind of where I'm getting at is that, that, that didn't happen by accident. That happened slowly over time yeah. and it got that way on purpose, you know, and I see the same thing in the next 10, 15 years with small commercial and 
they're going to catch some tuna in that net. You know, there's going to be some middle market people that think that way. And so it's just going to slowly erode our viability as a, as a business operation to, to do that kind of stuff, which I think is uh, kind of a tragedy. I apologize. I got to cut this short because I forgot I got a 130. Can I, can we pick this up again? Because it's been a pleasure talking to you.